welcome back to the What the Folk Sunderland preview show. An unbeaten start to the championship and a very impressive win at Bristol City last weekend means we head into our game against Queen's Park Rangers this Saturday in a very, very positive mood. However, QPR haven't had that bad of a start themselves and they'll be looking to silence a packed stadium-like crowd having had an impressive 3-2 victory against promotion favourites Middlesbrough. And helping give us the lowdown on Michael Beale's side and preview Saturday's game is Alex from QPR Podcast our generation. Alex, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me on, Graham. As always, first things first, though, I, I sort of mentioned in the intro, you also won 3-2 at the weekend, which I think must be a first on the show, two teams that have both won 3-2. But obviously, a really big win um, against our near, but not that near, rivals and promotion favourites, Middlesbrough. How was the performance? Uh, it was, uh, I guess, a classic QPR performance. It's the sort of performance that every fan says their side does to them that causes heart attacks and problems and all that sort of thing so we were 3-0 up at one point against one of the most fancied sides in the league and you think that's all right just we just keep let's just keep it like that shall we uh but obviously go on to make it very nervy in the second half as our sort of standard of play drops they suddenly look like the side could get promoted automatically come the end of this season um and it gave everyone a little bit of a shock in the second half. Yeah, it wasn't. It was an entertaining game. If you were a neutral, you'd have loved it, basically. Yeah, it sounded a bit of a ding dong game, but you can never get better than the people who are actually at the game. I think we're talking of recent games as well. Obviously, at the time of speaking, just for the listeners that are aware, we haven't played our game against Chef Wed. That'll be in a few hours. Um, but yours took place last night. You lost on penalties to Charlton. However, looking yep. to the team vastly changed would it be fair to say you can't really take too much from the game well for this weekend that might actually not be the case because we've got a few injuries uh so it was confirmed last night that uh chris willock who scored a fantastic goal against middlesbrough i'm sure that your listeners would have seen on twitter and such over the, the last week um him, himself luke amos and kenneth powell our new left back they're all going to be out for at least this game, um, which is worrying for us fans because the fullback position in Mick Beale's setup is quite important. He likes us to have them pushing forward quite a bit. Um, and the left back that we've got in reserve is not good enough, basically, uh, to put it nicely. He was out of his depth within about 10 minutes last night against Charlton. <clears throat> um, so it's going to be an interesting one. Um, so uh, again, some of the players that played last night, like uh, Andre Dezel, will probably feature at the weekend because we've got uh, Taylor Richards and uh, Luke Amos out injured. And then we've got Nico Hammerlinen having to start as well at left back. Um, and there's no Jake Clark Salter either. So there's, you know, quite a few, there's five key players already out after what three games this season so you know trying to stay optimistic but it's uh it's worrying <laughs> i'm getting i'm getting optimistic from my side now you said that but uh i never let it get too far ahead of my station i think you, you mentioned uh beal there of course obviously you know away from the, the games themselves this the seasons had a change in, in the dugout um you went from having one former glasgow rangers manager to a highly rated former glasgow rangers assistant manager and of course yep. steven gerrard's assistant um previously at aston villa obviously listeners will know i live in glasgow so i know an awful lot about michael beale and sort of his credentials and i think prior to alex neil's appointment he was someone out of at least like we've seen this interview um 
I'm not surprised to see he's getting a job in the championship. He's so highly rated up here in terms of Glasgow. I'm trying to think of the, the word to, to, to use there, but I think he was due a chance effectively. And I think yeah. it's difficult to judge someone because you like literally two games in the league and one League Cup game. So we can't judge him at this point. But what are the early impressions of Michael Beale? I think I think he's done good. Well, I, I can't really say whether he's done good enough or not. He's not had his first choice 11 out for us for the start. Like it, we haven't completed all of the signings that we perhaps want to do. The fullbacks position, both right and left, are becoming a problem. Um, so that there's going to be a lot of emphasis on getting at least one more of both in before the window shuts. They're probably going to be loans now, which isn't quite what we wanted at the start of the window. We were begging, uh, literally begging Millwall to sell us uh, Danny McNamara but they were holding firm and not selling. Uh, so some fans have suggested we wasted our time going over and over and over again with that. Uh, again, the striking position is another one that people would like another stri- player signed in if we could, but I think that's going to become less important over the next couple of weeks. So it's difficult to say how he's done. He certainly comes across well enough to the fans and you know, doing the research into him upon the appointment we found all these sort of recommendations and all this incredible stuff from the likes of Gerard and from other pe- from former players, from Rangers players, from Aston Villa players, just saying how incredible he is as a coach. And it kind of, you know, at that point you think, oh yeah, I quite like this. It's not. Um, and yeah, I, I like what I've seen so far in the Middlesbrough game. Did not like what I saw last night, but that is a, re- you know, that's a change 11. So you can't read too much into it. I guess the the cop out answer here is uh, ask me again after about ten more games, and I'll tell you I have a better idea. Yeah, I had a feeling that might be the case. I think it's it's a funny one, Michael Beale, because like I say, I'll openly admit I'm a, I'm a real big fan of him. Um, but of course, I don't have a crystal ball, and you never know how the assistant manager, who's rated really highly as a coach and seen as the brains behind Rangers' title winning season and the brains behind anything good Stephen Gerrard has done, you never know how that's going to translate into management because management has so much more to it than just being a good coach. Mm. I think on the outside looking in, you know, me to QPR, I thought, good appointment. I'm quite excited to see how that goes. However, as a fan, you don't always want to be that guinea pig, if that makes sense, for if it's going yeah. to work. Um, you touched on there, obviously you read a lot of stuff and you, and you were positive. And I think as fans, sometimes we do look at stuff and we say, well, let's take the, the positive, not the negative. But was there a, a, a certain section of the fan base that would be a little bit unsure, shall we say, due to the fact that you hadn't managed before? I don't think so. I think we're a fan base that just like to get excited about anything. Um, but he... If there's one criticism I could have of the appointment is that when we sacked, well, we didn't sack him, but when we let Mark Walton go last year, it was sort of maybe we weren't quite, us fans weren't quite on song of what the board wanted, but we're kind of under the impression that the next appointment was going to be someone that's going to take us to the Premier League, basically, because that's what we were going for last season, playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. You may, you're not going to sort of be content with making the semi-finals. You, you, you're in the playoffs to win it. So when we missed out on that and perhaps fairly um, Warburton didn't get an extension to his contract, you kind of think, who are we going to bring in that's going to actually take us up probably within the next one to two years? And I don't know if that's been a bit too much, you know, whether we're thinking a bit too much of ourselves, but you kind of, if Warburton had a very settled squad, he had done a lot of work of a lot of turnover players 
we'd invested a bit more in the last couple of seasons in the squad. And it's maybe it was moving in the right direction. So now this season's a bit of a reset. The squad isn't quite what we'd like it to be. It's definitely not good enough to challenge for playoffs. It wouldn't win the playoffs either. Um, that sort of lack of strength of depth is being shown now with the amount of injuries that we've got. Um, so yeah, it's it's weird. I, I think that would be the one thing I'd be slightly wary of is that if it does go askew and it's not going brilliantly halfway through the season, I think a lot of people will change their opinions and will suddenly sort of say, well, we wanted someone that's going to get us promoted and this is clearly not happening. Because obviously Warburton's someone else who I've known well up here because of his time at Rangers as well and obviously had time at um, Brentford also and he, not in the same way as Beale, but obviously was very highly rated and almost unknown before he came mm. to Rangers, went for his job or the work he did at, at Brentford and he has a style of football and he's had some success and there's a lot of people within the game that rate him really highly. So I thought, you know, Warburton to keep your sort of made sense. And from the outside looking in, which is very much like minimalistic because I haven't watched a great deal of QBR for obvious reasons over the past couple of years. But it seemed like he was pushing stuff in the right direction if it wasn't quite there. And yet, obviously, at the end of the season, I think it, it seems, as you touched on it, his contract had ended. It seemed like a, a mutual thing. Was his quote-unquote sacking something that the fan base were behind? I think towards the end of the last season, majority, there was a vocal part of the fan base that wanted him gone. Um, and that, I didn't really want to see him go because I'd quite enjoyed what we'd done. He'd, had, he'd been blessed with some very good players, like sort of Eberieze, Chair and Willock, who are still at the club. So he's lucky in that sense, but he appointed, he, he brought in players he was familiar with that improved us. Um, I didn't really want to see him go and I kind of did want to see him an exciting Appointment, and I guess McBeal is an exciting appointment when comparison to a few of the other names that are flying around. Because we weren't going to go and get like Sean Dyche or someone like that, who's of Premier League or higher Championship quality. We were going to go. We we're always going to have to go for someone that was relatively unproven. So <clears throat> I, I didn't really want to see him go, but there was definitely a large. Like I said, it wasn't. I don't know if it's a large majority, but there was a vocal majority that wanted him gone. But it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was malicious. It wasn't sort of like we hate him. It was kind of, he's taken us as far as we can go. We need new ideas. Yeah. And I think, I think to be fair, Warburton has had a bit of a career, a little bit like that um, in previous. So it wouldn't be unusual for him, I think. But but looking at the summer transfer business, you touched on a, a few players there that he brought in that he was familiar with that improved you. A lot of those names have now gone. Um, Don Ball, Lee Wallace, players he would have been familiar with. Of the ones that left it, it seemed like there was a, I don't know whether it's fair to call them Deadwood, but there's a lot of players that were shed, whereas it seemed it was a bit more specific in the players that you've brought in. You've touched on a little bit like you'd like a few more. Um, of the departures, obviously, uh, Charlie Austin, Don Ball, Kieran Westwood, David Marshall being two goalkeepers there, experienced ones. Were they all departures that the fan base were largely fine with? Uh, I think the one that people had problem with was Austin because he's a bit of a sort of modern day club legend. Yeah. But I was definitely with the opinion that his sort of performances and his goal output wasn't good enough in, you know, in the nicest possible way. He kind of ended up drifting too deep at times. Um, whether that was a criticism of the whole squad and they weren't getting the ball up to him, but he's a penalty box poacher. 
basically. He's and he's very good at that. That's I've never denied that. I loved watching him in the first season, first couple of seasons we had him, and then the prime example of it is last season we played Everton in the cup. He scored two headers inside the box against a Premier League defence. I mean, you could argue a bad Premier League defence, but it's still they're Premier League players for a reason. And he his movement in the box when the ball came in was better than any of them. He got scored two brilliant goals there. And he didn't do that enough. He didn't stick to his strengths enough throughout the season. It was incredibly frustrating to watch. So that would probably be the one that people um, were upset about. And perhaps in the way that we dealt with it, they didn't, apparently there was lack of communication between him and the board. But it's kind of, that's uh, petty little arguments between himself and the club. And he's he, he's been interesting with what he's done. Anyway, he's got to move to Australia out of it. So he's not exactly doing hard. <laughs> um, the, the goalkeeper situations, uh, incredible because last season I've never seen so many goalkeepers play for QPR we had so many injuries suspensions AFCON departures um, yeah it was bizarre um, leading to the fact that we had to sign David Marshall who did do a steady job uh, and then eventually Kieran Westwood because it was like who else is available because Marshall's unfortunately got injured himself um, so I think without wanting to sound harsh, the players that we did get rid of were probably Deadwood. Like there's still a bit more to be cut away, but um, you know, Dom Ball, who people wanted to stay, and he's a great guy, um, Dom, but he he's signed for Ipswich in League One. So, you know, you can't it, it the proof's in the pudding a little bit, isn't it? You can't yes. say that he's good enough then to play for us if he's been signed up by League One side. Um, Johan Barbe, who's left as well, he's without a club still, which is a bit shocking. I, I thought he'd been taken by someone. I thought he was meant to be going back to France, but according to what it says online, he's still without a club. Is that the boy you missed the penalty last season against us? Yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I, I thought mean, I when, it, when, I, when you say missed, he, I'm pretty sure he sent it out the ground. Like, Give me a, a slightly good deal with Arsenal. I'll, I'll forgive him. Um, well, that yeah, I don't, I don't want to be too bitter here, but uh, I don't like Keith Stroud, and I don't, <laughs> I, I didn't like him before. I didn't like, I don't like him that much either after the game. Uh, but that was a disgraceful decision. <laughs> I just remembered it. It was the offside, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That ball was in the back of the net, and you guys could have gone on an equaliser within the last couple of minutes. I mean, that's what happened last night against Charlton. So, perfectly plausible that could happen last season. But you know, I've got no no problems with no, nothing that you did. It's just it's just Keith Stroud. He robbed us of a quarter final in our my. Opinion. <laughs> like, we don't get cup runs that often, so it really it actually it yeah I'm quite bitter about it. Yeah, I never noticed. In terms of your incomings. Obviously, there is one name that sticks out, which I will come to in a bit. But in terms of impressive incomings, the one that stuck out for me would be Tyler Roberts. Obviously, came in from Leeds. He missed his first two league games with injury. I think most people would have seen on Twitter last night, he scored a great goal as well, a kind of mm-hmm. couple with Willick's goal. Um, are you excited by his arrival? Yeah, it's a, I, I never sort of was entirely impressed when I watched him play for Leeds. His goal record as well is 
not too inspiring. Mm. So it's fair enough to say that some QPR fans put two and two together and looked at that goal record and thought, what you know, what what are we doing here? Um, but if he does what he did last night, often enough, then he's going to win us round. Um, but he looked lively last night, and he was quite, you know, he was clearly a cut above what was on the pitch at the time. So, yeah, it, it seems like that was when we seemed to be doing good business early on in the window. We were looking for a striker, or like, and he can be a versatile ten as well, and all this sort of thing. But you know, we're looking for a, a, a striker. And there was one available from the Premier League, so we went and got him on loan. So that I think that was good business early on to just basically get what we could get at that point because it doesn't look like we're going to get anything else at this late stage in the game. Um, but yeah, he's, from what I saw last night, if he keeps on playing like he did, even without the goal, he was lively enough to cause a few problems. And you know, once hopefully the whole squad sort of bedded in together, he looks like a good addition. One name that like really sticks out on my team, uh, your team, sorry, is of course Lyndon Dykes. I think you know anyone who's watched Scotland recently will see kind of the job that he does for Steve Clark's side. And whilst he's not exactly a goal machine for Scotland all the time, he does do a job. Um, and he did a great job for Livingston up in Scotland as well. So he sticks out a little bit for me, like a sore thumb. However, it was Andre Gray that was your top scorer last season. You said yourself you could do with a striker. Is it fair to say that since he's joined Lyndon Dykes, maybe he's um, flattered to deceive, or am I judging a little bit too early just on what you've said there? No, I think last season was unfortunate for him because he had a injury-disrupted season. Uh, a lot of them coming after being away with Scotland, actually, on the international break, um, which is always quite frustrating. I mean, I'm uh, my mum's Scottish, so I'm hot, you know, so I'm biased towards him. I, I'd really like him. And the, the whole sort of he doesn't score enough goals is a kind of like point to what he does for Scotland. And thing. I know it's sometimes you're playing against like the Faroe Islands, whatever. But, you know, Scotland aren't a free flowing side that score plenty of goals. And he seems to score enough, really, when playing against teams of his level. Uh, and I just think that I guess you've got the quality of Robinson and Tierney on one side. They just seem to put more balls into him and sort of like give him the opportunity, which we don't really do that much. We did it against Borough and he scores a very nicely taken header from a free kick from your hand from a nice cross. So I think last season was frustrating for him because he ended the season before in really good form. And it looked like him and Austin working well together was going to be quite profitable for us. But um yeah, I mean I, I like him. He's he works hard. And he, he does, he will score goals. He was on track for a pretty good return last season until the sort of injuries started kicking in. So, you know, I, I don't really pay attention to people that say he's the worst striker ever and stuff like that. I, I, I like him a lot. Yeah. But then again, I am biased. He, he does do a job. Um, and I think that's obviously a club and country and his, his goal return wasn't that far underneath Andre Gray. And that's with me unbeknown to the fact that he's, he's had his injury issues. But... Another couple of names that really stuck out to me, one of them really for the wrong reasons, one of them for a kind of meh reason, um, as a Sunderland fan is, of course, Jay Clark Salter. Um, it's a name Sunderland fans will not recall very fondly at all. But to be fair to him, he's only joined in the summer, so I'm not going to ask your opinion on him. Another centre-half that we had on loan that had a distinctly average time at Sunderland, um, there's no other way to put it, is, is Jimmy Dunn. But 
he's been with you for over a season, obviously he played a few games for Burnley. He seems to have established himself as a, a championship defender. Um, how do fans view Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Dunn? Uh, people love him. They really do. Oh. He's not by any means our best centre-back, but he's incredibly passionate. Um, and it's just the sort of stuff that fans seem to like, really. I th- if if I was to sort of look at our defenders and say who's the best one, I'm plumping for Rob Dickey all day long. Rob Dickey yeah, is a fantastic centre-back. Uh, but Dunn is, he'll be everywhere in stopping you. Like he'll just be heading everything, kicking everything away. He's not nasty, but he's really hardworking. He's a very capable and good championship centre-back, but there seems to be a real sort of, uh, people really do like him. Um, so yeah, he's, he's done well because last season it looked like we had to start the season playing a back five, Dickey, um, Geordie Device, who's moved on as well, uh, and Johan Barbe. It's sort of like, where's, you know, Dunn's just signed. These three are established at the club from from finishing last season. Well, where is he going to fit in? And lucky for him, Device gets injured and he never really let go of the place. Um, so, again, this season, we, we change the formation. It's four at the back this time. Dickey's got the right centre-back position nailed down, obviously. And then we sign Clark Salter to play in the left centre-back position. And you think, it's going to be tough for him to get in because he's not left-footed. He's, he doesn't look that comfortable on the ball. So he's going to have to try and get Rob Dickey out the side. And Dickey's much better than him. So it, it, something's going to have to go wrong somewhere for Dickey, for Dunn to get in. And luckily for Dunn, Clark Salter's been injured these last two games. So he's had to play in the left center back position. I don't think he looks entirely comfortable on the ball, uh, especially when he's, you know, he, he's not left-footed. So he, he just doesn't use it at all. Uh, so he doesn't look that comfortable, but you no, know, he's a capable defender. So if the ball comes his way, he's absolutely sure to just smash it away with his head. Yeah. He seemed to be a kind of um, bog standard defender that obviously was not a baby when he came to us, but he was young. Um, mm. And you could sort of see you would kind of get roped into things you didn't need to do or go for things you didn't have to. And, and evidently, he's, he's done well for QBR and he's, he's settled in a division higher than he was with us. So obviously, something he's got something there. You mentioned Clark Salter being injured. I think this is going to be sad news for Sunderland fans. Is he out for Saturday, potentially? Uh, yes, he oh. is. It's sort of unknown when he's going to be coming back. So, Was he really bad for you? Awful. But it was like... <laughs> The worst season in memory, all documented on Netflix. Um, Clark, the, my abiding memory of Jay Clock Salter was he, and you could probably find it on the internet somewhere, we played Middlesbrough at home and we drew 3-3. Three, three. Um, one of the high points, if you can even say that in the season, because we didn't get beat. Um, and he flew into Adama Traore, two-footed, and sent him quite literally spiralling in the air to where he did a backflip. And then he got sent off because it was a blatant red card, which was very funny. And then Adama Traore got so annoyed, he got sent off about 10 minutes later. Um, but it was not a good season, and he was pretty bad for us. But evidently, he's another player that has gone on to have a championship career. Um, well, he's, elsewhere. He's, uh, he's he's only signed for us probably because of McBeal. He's, because Chelsea. McBeal had a time at Chelsea, yeah. so he coached him there. And this is something that's been picked up on by a lot of people. In every signing that we make, McBeal always says, "Oh, we've." You know, I saw him play 
in a youth tournament when he was 15 or something like that. And I knew he was going to be a fantastic player. Or like I, I coached him when he was 12. And I knew he was going to be an amazing player. Sort of like every player he's ever signed is, used to be this incredible talent at the age of 12 or something like that. And it's kind of become like this running joke because he just keeps mentioning it. He just can't stop himself for some reason. It's obviously that, you know, every manager has their cliche and he's he's trying to work out his, but he's, he's making a good fist of it with this one. Yeah, I think when we got him, he was he was classed as the new John Terry, um, which I don't think yeah. many people would want to be called, but I'm assuming he meant his footballing ability. I, um, yeah, I wouldn't want that comparison. <laughs> no, me neither, mate. Not at all. Um, in terms of Sunderland, obviously, you're one of the few clubs that actually have played us recently. We've touched on that Carabao Cup game in the last 16 Outside of that, much like I haven't seen a great deal of the championship, you'll not. I don't know how much you've seen outside of that game, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a great deal. Um, but from what you have seen, which are the players that you're most worried about going into the game on Saturday? Well, uh, I'm not sure if worried is the right word, because when he was with us, he was a very young footballer that didn't seem to... <laughs> It looked like he should have still been playing sort of under 15s, but Jack Clark, obviously, someone that you've signed recently. Um, he's someone that I think a lot of QPR fans will suddenly get a lot more interest in once they've realized that you guys have signed him. Um, and you know, uh, is it Pritchard as well in the middle? He yes. seems, I think, we were linked with him probably at some point. Um, always seems to be, uh, just a pretty good sort of championship level player that's always there creating something. And of course your, your favorite up front who got a, got a glimpse of him playing for Scotland uh, back in the summer, Ross Stewart. So like, I think those, I mean, I, I did see it. I was at the game last year when we played you in the cup and mm-hmm. I can't really remember how Stewart played, but I was taken back. I had the size of him. I think yeah, almost. Is ginormous. Uh, Jack Clark will be the main one that people will be interested in, uh, and I think like there's no there's not real hate towards him. I don't think like, but I think QPR fans will be keen to see him uh, still be the player that we had. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Online. I've noticed going through the podcast. This is like a game of like players that each club had on loan that was absolutely shite, and then a suddenly turned <laughs> a decent player at opposite clubs, which is a bit of a. A weird comment. I've never had that before, but it, I kind of forgot Jack Clark was even there. But I think Sunderland fans will be surprised listening to that because he's been, by and large, pretty good for us. And obviously, ourselves recently promoted, but you know, our home form. Yes, we have a, a big fan base. We get that. The fans behind us is going to be absolutely massive. Um, in the season as a whole, they're going to have a huge part of playing that season. We know how important the home form is going to be. So how do QPR fans view the game on Saturday, considering that we are newly promoted, but understandably you're going to come to a stadium that's going to be vocal? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's uh... The main thing that people have been talking about this game is the... <laughs> actually being able to get there because there's a... <laughs> Yeah, the cancellation on trains and stuff like that. I think people are kind of scratching their head about how to get up there. So, for, from that point of view, I'm glad I'm not going. I don't really know. There, there's an, I think people are worried a bit more now with the injuries that we've got that we might lose. Um, there's not a lot of faith in the reserves that we've got. Um, so it, it's you know we know that you guys are going to be loud when we get up there because you're in that sort of Still in that honeymoon period where you've you had a great start to the season, the optimism's still there. Um, you probably would have 
if there's a worse time to play you guys, I'd probably say that that it's right now. I'd probably rather take have a game when it's middle of winter. Things are. I'm not going to say that you're going to get relegated or anything like that. I would not. I don't think you would, but you know, perhaps when you haven't been winning and drawing every game going. So, um, I think the 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 thing is with us is we'll just want to sort of go up there with a solid performance. I just I, th- I think we just want after. After last night, we'll just want another, a solid performance. And if we can get a draw, we'll absolutely run away with a draw. In terms of um, my final question, which is always, I'm terrible at it, and I've started the season with two wrong predictions, so start as you mean to go on. I don't think I've gotten double figures for the past three seasons of this, so um, I might as well not change it. So I might as well go for my predictions first and ask for yours. Uh I quite fancy a win. I, I would have said a draw before I spoke to you. Now that I know you've got injury problems, I'm like, well, maybe you never know. So I'll take... I'll take a 2-1. I thought we looked a bit rocky at the back last week. You don't concede two goals for no reason. Um, and obviously, we haven't kept a clean sheet as yet. It's a bit harsh with two games in, but I'll take a 2-1. Um, and I, I, my, my head's actually saying 1-1, but I'll go with my heart and I'll say 2-1. But Alex, how do you see it going in terms of score prediction for Saturday? Well, likewise, I'm awful with predictions. I don't think I got <laughs> a single one right last season, so... On our podcast, they got suspectedly phased out towards the end of the season when we just weren't. So no point just making yourself look like an idiot each week. But um, I kind of, I can't predict us to lose. I, I don't like no. doing that. I, you don't do that, which is probably why I don't get many of these correct. But <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one all. Ever the optimist, I think there's a lot of we've got problems with the fullbacks at the moment and without Chris Willock there's a that that's a massive part of our side missing. So um yeah I'd be happy with one all in a difficult away game. Yeah. Perfect. Alex, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks for giving me the lowdown on a team that I haven't seen in far too long, along with the other twenty three championship sides, pretty much. As always, if you want to like, share and subscribe to my podcast, you can. But Alex, if people want to listen to the QBR reaction following the game, which is always interesting to hear the opposition view, where can we find you? Uh so it's our generation on air. Uh, on we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, yeah, it all goes up on my goes through my Twitter, uh, Alex at Alex Bemore three. Uh, yeah, so if you do fancy listening to us bemoan why we've lost to you guys, then I'm sure that would be the best podcast to do it on. Um, Alex, <laughs> thanks very much for joining me. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks. Man.